Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. And we started with basically telling us that um, this is Revolutionary Love 2, <clears throat> meaning that uh, it's the second time we've done it. It's totally different, though, than what we... I wanted it to be totally, totally different than what we did before, so we call it Revolutionary Love 2. We also said that when we're talking about revolution, it can mean a lot of different things, but one of the definitions of revolutionary love is that it's, it's really bringing about a major or a fundamental change in things, and, and that's what God did when he said Jesus Christ. Jesus came to show us a different way, a different way to love. And so I'm so grateful that he's shown us what uh, the, the unconditional love is. So he did that, and really God said in his word that, that, he, that God demonstrates his love uh, in, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's, it's just revolutionary to think that somebody would die for a sinner. And so we talked about also, last week, being having some FaceTime with, with, with Jesus. And FaceTime, of course, uh, is a Apple way through Apple products of doing things. It's another way of, of other things do Skype and they do, do Google Mail and all those type of things to talk to somebody face-to-face. But we said we can talk to Jesus Christ by being in his word because, after all, when you look in the word of God, you're looking in the mirror and... And Jesus Christ is the Word, of course. He was the Word manifested in the flesh, was he not? Yes, yes he was. So uh, we can meditate on the Word, and, and I think we can see him face to face. In other words, it says that only the pure in heart will see God. So uh, the Word of God helps purify our hearts, and we can, through the Holy Spirit, see Jesus. So that's what we want to do. And we, I want to open up in the Scripture with James chapter 1. Let's go there. Verse 22, it's a verse here that I want to, to close up our review in. It says, that, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves or, another version would say, deceive themselves. I don't want to deceive myself because I'm hearing the word, whether it be... Uh, on Sunday morning, whether it be on a video, whether it be uh, on a, a disc, whatever it is, I'm hearing the word, but I'm not doing the word. I don't want that to be my testimony because Christ says that I'm, I'm deceiving myself. I don't want to deceive myself. He said, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a, a man who looks in a natural mirror, uh, looks at his natural face in the mirror, and once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer and an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. That's what I want for myself. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for you. I want to be blessed in what I do. And I believe that you want to also. Is that true? Right. So we want to look at your bulletins. I think you have, in your bulletins, you have, I put in there, 
I didn't put it in there. I had put it in there. Uh, about revolutionary love. It says uh, the serving is revolutionary love in action. So when you serve someone, that's revolutionary love in action because most people want to be served. Revolutionary love, it says, can be called servant evangelism. We've done that many times before. Uh, we had um, two people years ago. They used to get water and they used to stand on the uh, street corner over on, by Park Avenue and give out water and, and to cars who stop at, at the traffic light. They would do that. And that's called servant evangelism. You're serving. Many ways to serve, though. That's revolutionary love. Revolutionary love is doing small, simple, practical things with great love. Because we can do some things and really not be really from our heart. Revolutionary love is doing acts of kindness that wins hearts before it confronts the mind. So as you're doing revolutionary love, those acts of kindness, some people's hearts, they are one before they, they, they really it confronts their mind. Revolutionary love can be also can be genuine words of kindness, just genuine words of kindness. Just somebody saying some kind words to you. How many times people say negative things to you, but revolutionary love is saying kind things to somebody. You can always find something kind to say to somebody. Revolutionary love is all about planting seeds. Showing revolutionary love leads to the question, why are you doing this? That's revolutionary love in action, really. So that's what we want to be doing is this revolutionary love. Today I want to talk to you, uh, I'm going to give you about, about six statements and two questions. That's what I want to do today, six statements and two questions. And the first statement I want to make is that I have become a servant of Jesus Christ. I have become, I have become a servant of Jesus Christ. Let's look at it in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I have become a servant of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you have also, because we serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So because we do servant evangelism, because we do revolutionary love, because we uh, do acts of kindness, that is not anything that's going to get us saved. That it doesn't have to do with anything dealing with salvation of our souls. Nothing. You can't be saved by good works. You can only be saved by grace. The grace of God. What Jesus Christ has already done on the cross, his death, his resurrection, that's the only way we're going to be saved is accepting the price that he paid for our sins because we were sinners, he was not. He took on him, himself our sin 
and he died for our sins and resurrected for our justification. So that's the only way you're going to be saved. So don't get any impression that we're trying to do good works for salvation. Let nobody tell you that. That's not true. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And you say, well, wait a minute, we weren't saved by good works, but we were, we were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Jesus Christ saved us, left us here on this earth, and he gave us a job to do. The job is to do good works. He wants us to be his hands, his feet. He wants us to do the things that he was doing when he walked the earth. When he walked the earth, he was about doing good. He did good. Everywhere he went, he did good. What are some of the good things that he did? Oh, man, he healed the sick. He, he opened blind eyes. He the lame walk. Uh, he fed the, the hungry. Come on. He is good. And he did good works. What are we doing? When he went into the, uh, one of the disciples' home, his, his disciples' mother-in-law was sick, and he, he just touched her, and she got up. She had a fever. He touched her. He got up. Good works. Good works. Jesus was always doing good works. And he expects us to do the same thing. Wherever we go, we're supposed to be taking God with us. Is that true? Because God is in us. We have God in us. If you're born again, you have God in you. You have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. Okay? You're supposed to be taking him everywhere you go. And, and, and there is no one, nothing more powerful than God. And you're taking him with you. What can, what can you do in society, in the people around you, the people around me, what can we do in our workplaces taking God Almighty with us? What can we do? What kind of good works can we do? It says that we were created for good works. I became a servant of Jesus Christ when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I didn't know that at that time, but I learned it. And, and you became a servant of Jesus Christ when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You didn't give your life to Jesus Christ to uh, go on a vacation from this world. We're in the world and not of the world. He left us here. He left us here to do something. So what are we supposed to do? Serve him by serving others because that's what he did. That's what he did. He served his father. He said, I always do that which pleases my father. So he pleased his father by serving people. He died for people. He served people while he was here. That's what we are supposed to be doing. I became a servant of Jesus Christ. So therefore, I want to serve him. Today, the eight things I'm going to say, the six statements and the two questions... I want you to understand that the whole essence of the message is that we're talking about good works. We're talking about deeds, good deeds. We're talking about why are we doing it? We're not doing it as some activity, only that, that oh, it's summertime. He wants us to go out 
and evangelize. He wants us to go out and do servant evangelism. He wants to create some uh, enthusiasm in the body by doing something. He wants to pay for people meals and, and for us to put it on Facebook and do different things like that. He wants to do those things, uh, but I don't think I want to do them. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you today, we're not talking about what I want. We're talking about what Jesus Christ wants. And so we're reading out of the Bible. We're reading in verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 2. It says that, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what my Bible says. Which God prepared beforehand so that we awoke in them. He didn't prepare good works for me to do once I was saved. He, he, he prepared good works for all of us to do beforehand. Then he saved us and said, okay, now go do good works. Go do good works. It, it, it's like sometimes, uh, I used to coach, sometimes people want to wear the uniform but don't want to pay the price. They don't want to practice. Because in college we had to do three-a-day practices for football. Three-a-day. I mean, it's hot. Like, it's hot in August. Three practices a day, morning, afternoon, and night. Three practices to get ready for our season. And some people just want to wear, wear the uniform. It's a price to pay. Christianity is a price to pay. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have just done that. Gave your life to Jesus Christ. So therefore, your life now is not your own. Your life now is hid with Christ in God. That's what the scripture says. So therefore, we're supposed to be bought with a price. Of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the, the apostles say, I'm a doulos of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and in, in scripture, it'll say a bond servant, meaning they volunteered their servitude, but they were servants of the Most High God. Are we servants of the Most High God? Then we will create it then for what? Good works. Good works. Is this some activity that's called, we're just going to do something called revolutionary love, and, and it's an eight-week thing, well, I'm not helping her up and in, so I don't have to do that no more. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? No. We're talking about, we were, we were born for this. We were born again for this. Is that correct? We were born again to do good works. It's, it's a privilege to be a servant of the Most High God. Come on. What better, what better occupation can it be to be a servant of the Most High God where he sends you on your workplace, wherever that workplace it is, and he said, I want you to make a difference. I want you to be light. I want you to be salt. I want you to do good works where you are. What better thinking? What, what, you just think about it. Where is your home anyway? Is your home in Lynchburg? Is your home... You know, uh, in, in Virginia, it was your home in the United States. Where is your home? In heaven is. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
we, 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 we are aliens here on this earth. We, we, we are not, uh, we, we, we are not here as, as, as citizens. We're here as aliens. Yeah. I mean, we don't have antennas, you know, going everywhere, but, but, but the scripture says that. Yeah. The scripture says we are sojourners. We're just, we're just going along. Right? Until he takes us home. Is that right? Unless you plan on, you know, crying the blues when, 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 when you die and say, oh my goodness gracious, I'm not going to be on earth no more. Oh my goodness gracious. We're supposed to be shouting hallelujah. He can take me out of this place now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Give me my new body so I don't have to struggle anymore with all this stuff. And the older you get, sometimes the more struggles you go with through different things, you know. You wake up and you had a pain you never had before. (laughs) So, wow, you know. Young people don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they get my eyes checked. And uh, I said, man, I used to be able to see good because I'm, I am nearsighted. That means I can't see far good, but I can see near good. And then my eyes getting so that I can, it's hard for me to start seeing near like I used to see. And then the lady said, you know, I was like that too. I, I, I'm, I'm nearsighted. But you know, since I've been working here on this computer all these years, it's hard for me to see near now. And so now we're not talking about somebody that's 20 years old. We're talking about somebody older. So uh, we're talking about sometimes your eyes change, sometimes things change as you get older. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Maybe you're too young, you know, to know what I'm talking about. But you live long enough, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But see, this, this world is not... This world is not our home. So you should not be so comfortable in our earthly realm that we don't want to do what God has called us to do because he's called us to do supernatural things. That's what he's called us to do, supernatural things. And you might say, well, all I want to do is just, you know, to have a great job, to have a great marriage, to have great kids, and, and uh, we have a great family, grandchildren, things like that. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, uh, that's not where it is. That, that, that's part of the process. God wants that. Uh, but God is not going to be in a marriage in heaven. In heaven, it, it, our eternity is going to last much longer than this, this 120 years or whatever, how many of years you think you might live. It's going to last longer than that. How long is eternity? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How long has God existed? Because God is eternal. How long has he existed? Forever. How long will he exist? Forever. So how long will we exist? Forever. So this little measly, you know, 120 years, you know, and I don't know anybody lived 120 years, you know, recently. Uh, these, these 120 years, it's, it's a short, it's like a whisper, it's like a vapor, it's like just something here. So I'm going to tell you, you were created to do good works. And let me tell you, 
just like they keep a score on the scoreboard when they have games here on there. When, when, when we get, get on that day, on Judgment Day, when we get there, there are going to be some books open. And on these, when these books are open, everything that we have done in this life and said in this life is going to be in the books. And, and for Christians, we don't have to worry about the second death, but we do have to be concerned about rewards. We do have to be concerned about what makes it through the fire. Because nothing makes it through the fire except that which is gold and silver. That which is hay and stuff and all that that, that, that that we didn't do because of Jesus Christ. We did it because we were selfish or what we didn't, didn't want to do. We didn't want to do this, we didn't want to do These things, I, don't want, I do not want to be in heaven and, and have a, a role that, that, that like a... <laughs> you have to know that. You have to know by reading the Bible. You have to know now that there are things that's going to be going on in heaven that is going to require people to be serving people because this is going to be king. We know it's not going to be day. It's not going to be night. Jesus Christ is going to be the light. We know that. We know that the gate's not going to be, no, no door's going to be closed, no gate's going to be closed. But we do know that king's going to come in. If king's going to be there, why would we have kings but nobody, no, no, no kingdom, no service, no, no people to serve kings? Kings over some people, right? Yeah. Why, why, why would, would people be saved through fire, but everything else get burned up, all their works get burned up? What are they going to have left? Nothing but their salvation. What are they going to do? I don't know. But I know one thing. I do not want to, I've been to, I, I, I work too hard. I work too hard, three days, and to wear a uniform, and you never get on a game. Do y'all, y'all like that? I mean, to, 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 to work and work and work. Be, all you are dummies, human dummies that the first team beat up on. Because we have, I mean, we have them football. You know, they, they, you, know you, you the third team, fourth team, you know, the, the travel team. You, you the team that run the opponent's plays. So the first team defense wear you out, you know. I don't want to get to heaven, and everything I did on earth did no good whatsoever. I went through this stuff for nothing because everything got burned up. I'm going to tell you, I see I was created for good works, so therefore I want to do them. I want to do some good works. Anybody with me? Okay. We want to do some good works. That was one thing. I said one st- uh, six statements. That was one statement. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I want to serve him. I want to serve him. Another thing is that once I became a servant of Jesus Christ, once we gave give our life to Jesus Christ, who do you want to be like? I want to be like Jesus. How about you? I want to be like Jesus. Let's look in, in, in Matthew. That's the second statement now. Since I'm a servant, I want to be like my Lord, Jesus Christ. That's what I want to be like. In Matthew 20 and 20, let's look there. And he made a statement that is really, really cool. He says here, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, so the background here, I'm giving the background of it, came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down, making a request of him. And he said to her, 
What do you wish? And she said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit on one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. This is the two sons. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant. I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were resentful, you know, because of what these two said. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. He's trying to give them some, some heavily account now. They, 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 they're, they're thinking about worldly stuff, and he said, no, in heaven, you can't be like that. You're eternal. This is how I want you to think. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. That's doulos. Just as the Son of Man, who's he's talking about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, talking about the Messiah, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Isn't that, isn't that great? He came to serve. That's what he said. He, did, he came not to, be, not, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Ooh, that's what he said. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be served. I want to serve. Is that, is that what he said? He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. Why did you get born again? To be served or to serve? To serve. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I also want to be like the apostles. Let's turn to, to Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Paul, a doulos, that's a bond servant, of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul a bond servant of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus. That's what he said. Now that, that's, that, 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 that's, that's good. That's good. Isn't that, isn't that how to start off a letter? That's a good way to start off a letter, isn't it? George Calloway, a servant of the Most High God. Do you write people like that, you know? I used to write letters like that, and, 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 and then the people 
Stop writing my back because I guess they figured it. I was kind of weird. Because <laughs> you know? what you see, you know, you want to kind of do things like that, but you find out people don't, people don't do the things like that anymore. They sign the name at the end of the letter. Here they sign it. They, they give who it is at the beginning of the letter. Isn't that great to be saying? A servant of the Most High God. Right? Do we look at ourselves as a servant of the Most High God? Or we run around trying to be served? You know? I want my, my, my boss to serve me. I want my coworkers to serve me. I want students to serve me if I'm a teacher. I want the church to serve me. I want everybody to serve me. I want my wife to serve me. I want my husband to serve me. I want you know, that's not Christ. We're supposed to be wanting to serve, wanting to serve our wives. Want to, our wives will want to serve the husband, want to serve the children. The children want to serve the parents. You want to serve your employer. Employer wants to serve the employees. It's just servitude, service, serve, serve. Because the greatest is the servant of all, isn't it? But see, that's the world's way is that the, the lowest one is a servant of all, gets the lowest pay, and does the, 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 you know, the, what nobody else wants to do. So nobody else wants, nobody wants to, uh, somebody say, hey, I got a job for you. Oh, great. At B&W. Oh, great. Woo, B&W. I want you to uh, clean up the bathrooms. Ooh. Do you know that the, that, that, that the, the one with the lowest pay is the one who is a servant, <laughs> usually, right? The ones who the highest position are the ones who don't serve much. They get served, right? But Jesus said, not so. Not, not so with you. With you, meaning in the kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, this is how it's going to be. The greatest is going to be the servant of all. And so we're supposed to be walking around saying, hey, how can I serve you? How can I serve the church? How can I serve in, in this job? How can I serve you as my children? You know, do, do you walk around, you know, Joel say, hey, how can I serve you? You know, you want to be serving people. That's not usually, those words are hard to form with our lips on them. Yeah. How can I serve you? Isn't that right? I mean, this is a different way of thinking, isn't it? This is revolutionary. Revolutionary thinking. Christ bringing it because what he said was revolutionary. So there's two statements. First statement is that I became a servant. Then the second was that now I want to be like Christ and I want to be like the apostles. And the third one is that serving, what serving does is like preparing a garden. This is like serving is preparing a garden. And those of you who have gods know, know what I'm talking about. Let's look at it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Let's see if we can go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says that I planted Apollo's water, but God causes the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward 
according to his own labor. You remember I was talking about rewards? You thought I was just kidding, didn't you? You thought I was just saying something. Didn't know what I was talking about. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But we are God's fellow workers who are God's field, God's building. So being a servant of Jesus Christ is like preparing a garden. If you're going to prepare a garden, you're going to have to stir it up, right? You're going to have to tilt it. You're going to have to do something, break up the fallow ground. you have to do something. You're going to have to plant some seeds. It's going to have to get some water. You have to pull up, make sure the weeds don't, you know, uh, uh, choke everything out. You know, you're going to have to protect it from the deer, the groundhogs, and all the vomits that come around. Aren't you? Well, being a servant, we're going to have to do the same thing. We're going to have to prepare the ground. We're going to have to pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to have to plant seeds. That's what doing kindness does. That's what doing acts of service does. That's what uh, uh, doing good deeds does. It, it, It waters the ground. It plants seeds. God is the only one that gives the increase. So that's what I want to do. I want to be... A servant of Jesus Christ, I want to be a servant just like Jesus, but I do know I have to prepare the ground. I want to plant seeds. I want to water. So it can't be a one-time thing. That's what I'm trying to take us to a different level with revolutionary love, too. You can't just be out, you know, I'm, 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 you know what I do? I'll pay for somebody. Um, I'll wait first to see what they're going to buy and then <laughs> make sure it's not too much, and then I'll pay for it. You know, they, they, they got ice cream come, I'll pay for that. Yeah, I'll pay for that, okay? Uh, now, I've done my revolutionary love. I put it on the internet. Praise God, I've done it. Whew, zip, check that off. No, this is not what this is about. This is about doing what we have been created to do. Do good work. So we're supposed to be praying and looking around everywhere we go and seeing, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to see what he would have us to do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Because he might have us to do something um, whenever. I don't know. It's not an eight-week thing, really. Even I said it's eight weeks. It's it's a lifetime thing, isn't it? Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. That's what what Revolutionary 2 is about, is going to another level. Okay. So the third statement. The fourth statement is that faith without works is dead. It's dead. Let's look at it in a second. And in James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. What use is it, brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? No. If a brother or sister is without clothing and is in need of daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body? What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. So God is trying to explain to us through uh, this epistle letter, this letter here, is that, yes, we were created for good works, but you just can't say, I have faith, and you don't, but you don't understand, you don't do anything. He's trying to explain to us that 
if you have faith, you, you're going to have works. Works going to follow faith. You've you got to have, if you say, i got faith, you're going to have some good works. You'll, it says here, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. I do things because I have faith. That's why I do them, because I got faith. My faith creates my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you, are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Is that right? If we say we're Christians, but we don't have any works, we don't have any good deeds, no good works, woohoo, that's not good. I'm not interested in revolutionary love, two, or three or four. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I hope you're interested in good deeds and good works because that's what we were, we were created to do. That's number four. Number five. It's a wow. Now, are we getting the picture now? Well, I said that everything I'll, I'll say is going to be trying to give you the, the picture that is very, very important for us to understand that we were created for good works and good deeds. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, the fifth statement I want to make is that I want my behavior, I want it to be a testimony to the unbelievers that's around me. I really do. Let's look at it in First Peter. I hope you do too. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, if I get to the end, It says here that it starts talking about in verse 13, submit yourself to, you, to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether the king or, or as uh, the one in authority, or to governors in verse 14 as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God. By doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. He says that um, act as free men and do, good, do not use your freedom as a cover for evil, but use, your, but, but use it as a bond slave of God. I want to be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. In verse 12, let's look there. That's where I wanted to go to start with anyway. It says, keep your behavior, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The unbelievers, right? The unbelievers. Nowadays, they're the unbelievers. They weren't, they weren't Jews back then. But we're saying, I want my behavior excellent among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, so that in the thing which they might slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God. 
in the day of visitation. Some people, they may criticize us for doing good deeds. They might say, why are you doing that? Why, why are you, uh, uh, you trying to get brownie points or something? Why, why are you doing that? But no, you're not trying to get brownie points. You're just trying to good, do good deeds. And most people don't want to do good for anybody except for those who do good for them. It's, it's a tit for tat. You do, you do this for me, I do that for you. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. But if you talk behind my back, then I'm definitely not going to do anything good for you. Is that true? Is that how the world works? Well, God says it's not going to be that way with you. I want, I want you to keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slandered you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds that they observe them and glorify God in the day of visitation because God's going to visit them one way or the other, one time or another, whether it be judgment, whether it be on a time where uh, they see things and they say, oh, my goodness gracious, my goodness, I know why this person is so nice now. I know, I know. Boy, I'm ashamed of myself how I talked about them and things like that. And because people do get saved, praise God. I want my behavior to be good. I want you to want your behavior to be good among the unbelievers. That's important. So watch what you do. Watch what you say. Watch how you carry yourself because people watch. They, they watch. Okay. And the sixth statement that I, that I want to make really is that even though I've done all of this right here, of the, these good deeds, I still, I said, God, these are things that, that I want to do, but I, I still want to be more like you. I really do. I want to be more like you. I, I want to be somebody who, who you can trust in doing good deeds. Okay, I, I, I want to be someone that's not going to be normal. You remember I told you all that, that I had this lady that, that, that would speak to me and I, I, I wanted to try to do some things? Well, I purchased material to, to, to uh, make some brownies and, and things like that. But I th the thought came to me that maybe I need to find out whether she can eat brownies because she's an older lady. And sometimes we do things but it's not, we don't ask the person what they can eat and what they can't eat. Some people can't, some people are diabetic, they can't, they can't eat certain things. And I saw her yesterday, she was in a car with her neighbor across the street. And I said, oh my goodness, and thought came to me that, that ask this neighbor what is it that she likes. Now that's going a little bit far, isn't it? Uh, you know, because have you ever invited somebody over your house to eat, but you didn't ask them what they can eat and what they, they can't eat and things like that? You just figured that, you know, they eat what you serve. Well, you're really not thinking about them, are you? You're thinking about you. And see, if you're thinking about serving somebody else, you're thinking about what do you want. 
you know, that's, that's what you have happen to you when you go to a restaurant, isn't it? What do you say? Uh, they come to your table with their paper and pencil, some of them do, and sometimes they remember it in the mind. Uh, they give you a menu, what, do you, what would you like? And then you tell them what you want and the way you want it. Have you ever thought of when you invite somebody over the house to do that with them? So, uh, you know, uh, what, what, can you, what can you not eat? What do you like, what you don't like? Do you like chitlin? You know? <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> it's, oh, it doesn't matter. I eat anything. What, what, what would you prefer? You know, if you push them a little bit, you know, they're, they're okay, well, I, I don't like cabbage. I don't like, you know, uh, Brussels, uh, Brussels sprouts. What's the thing? Brussels sprouts. I don't like those little, little bit of round cabbage looking things. I don't like those, you know. Uh, and then you ask them. Because you want to bless somebody. When you when when you do your 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 good deeds, they're called good deeds. They they weren't just called deeds; they were called good deeds. So you need to find out what some good deeds you can do with people. Okay, what can they do? What they, what, what they like? What they don't like? All those type of things like that. Because I'm not interested in you doing this as an activity only. I'm asking, I want you to do this as a lifestyle. That's what I want you to do. And you know who to bless people, you know who won't bless people. And I, I've gotten that a lot of times. Have you ever given somebody a Christmas present, but it was something that you had in your house that you never wanted? <laughs> Come on, I'm so serious. <laughs> You never want it. It's still new. Somebody gave it to you <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Have y'all ever, ever, have you ever heard of anybody doing that? That is better, that. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that? <laughs> yes, you've heard of somebody doing that before. That's not a good deed. That's not a good deed. Don't do that. That's not a good deed, okay? Here's one of the questions. What should I do? I should pray. I should pray. It starts off with prayer. I should pray. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I need to pray. I need to pray. You need to include your children if you have children. Include your children on it because they get excited about doing things. You want, to, you want to train your children to do the things of the Lord. And all of our children are older, but we still want to share the same thing with them. And we want them practicing doing good deeds also because they were created for good works. So you want to share that. Is that correct? Another question is, since you're a servant of the Lord, Will you do these good deeds as a servant of the Most High? Will you do these as unto the Lord and not just as an activity because somebody asked you to do it? Will you just do it? Will you just do it? That's, that's important, isn't it? Just do it. And the last statement is found in Matthew 5. Let's go there, 14. Let's end up there. 
God wants us to be the salt. He wants us to be light. So I want your light to shine so that people can glorify God. That's what I want. In verse 14 it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your, say those two words with me, good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Is God, now every scripture I gave just about is, is dealing with good works, good deeds. Do you think God's just trying to get you to do some activities for the summer? No. What is he trying to get us to do? What we were created in Christ Jesus to do. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.